Hello and welcome to Just Needs, a podcast where we talk about parenting children with disabilities. I'm your host, Christina Kozik. I too am a parent of a child with a disability, and let me just say, I'm so glad you're here. On this podcast, we talk about everything from receiving a new diagnosis to transitioning your older child out of school and beyond. This podcast is a project of Exceptional Lives, a nonprofit organization that supports families like yours. You can learn more about Exceptional Lives at our website, www.exceptionallives.org. This week's podcast was originally written by Julie McIsaac, a licensed child development therapist trained in a therapy option called Floor Time, or D-I-R Floor Time. I'll be sharing her perspective to help inform parents of this therapy option. Julie is a parent of three children with varying needs. She knows how hard it is to know which therapy is the best fit to support your child. Julie is also a child development therapist trained in floor time. Her training influences her work and her relationships. In the area where Julie lives, applied behavioral analysis therapy, most commonly referred to as ABA therapy, is the most common intervention for autism. It's the same way in the area I live here in Louisiana, and I'm sure most of you can agree that it's the same wherever you're at. But a lot of people don't know about floor time, and floor time is a great option for autistic children who need support. When it comes to understanding human development, Julie has always been drawn to models that value relationships. And when it comes to disability, she looks for strength-based models. And when it comes to cognitive development or developing thinking skills, she's learned that we cannot underestimate the power of play. As a mom that's done play therapy with my own child, I couldn't agree more. The way we relate to one another and the way in which we interact with the world form a foundation for learning and emotional health. According to the International Council on Development and Learning, floor time, also known as DIR floor time, is a type of therapy that is used to promote a person's development through a respectful, playful, joyful, and engaging process. It uses the power of relationships and human connections to promote engagement, communication, positive behaviors, and thinking. It is an evidence-based approach to promoting human development that is used with children, young adults, and even adults, especially those who are autistic. Many families are drawn to floor time because they want to understand autistic children's behavior. You may find yourself asking, why won't he look at me? Why does she always have a meltdown if our routine changes? Why does he cover his ears whenever we go through the car wash? Floor time falls into the category of developmental approaches to thinking about behavior. In other words, this perspective views the child's behavior through the lens of the cognitive, social, emotional, and sensory systems. In this model, the behavior is not addressed directly, but the child's overall development is supported. The behavior provides the clues to help us understand how to do that. Although it is usually associated with autism, floor time is a way of thinking about a child's development and not any one specific diagnosis. Floor time is an intervention that reaches across disciplines. It is provided by speech and language pathologists, physical therapists, occupational therapists, mental health providers, medical doctors, educators, and child developmental specialists. Usually through parent or caregiving coaching, the therapist uses a developmental framework to join a child where they are and builds upon their strengths and interests. When done well, it looks easy and seamless, but this can be a little deceiving. This work requires a solid understanding of child development, our brains, our emotions, and our senses. 
Now the fun part. What does floor time look like? Floor time looks like a child swinging on a platform, laying on his belly with headphones on while interacting with a therapist working on speech goals. Floor time looks like playing a video game together while the therapist is challenging the child to expand their shared problem-solving abilities or flexible thinking. Floor time also looks like a conversation with my spouse when I realize I can't talk to him until he's calm and regulated and engaged again. Yes, you can use floor time with your spouse too. Floor time looks different for different people in different settings, which is exactly why it makes sense. To help you decide if it's right for your family, Julie shares some things that she's learned over the years. First, get comfortable feeling uncomfortable. This is easier said than done. I learned early on that while you can have an agenda for a session as a therapist or an expectation for playing with your child as a parent, you need to be able to let go of the structure of what you thought you were going to do depending on what your child walks through the door with that day. You don't always know what happened at school that day or how they slept last night, but following the child's lead means listening, observing, and showing respect for what comes in the room with that child. Feeling uncomfortable is okay. Listen to it. Second, the phrase following the child's lead is misleading. It does not mean you need to only do what the child wants to do. It means joining the child where they are developmentally. If a child is sitting by herself playing trains and is not interested in engaging with you, play with the trains beside her. Gently try to join your train on her caboose. Does she let you or does she turn her back to you? Either way, she is communicating and you've learned something that can guide future interactions. Third, make assumptions. Assume the non-speaking child in front of you has a lot to say. Assume the child who stiffens up when hugged is searching for connection in a different way. Presume confidence in your child. It is respectful, inclusive, and a way we all want to be treated. Fourth, don't make assumptions though. I can be the most empathetic person you've ever met, but at the end of the day, my experience is my experience. I can imagine what someone else's experience may be, but I cannot assume I know. We all have stories and experiences that shape our behavior. If we react to a behavior based on our own experiences, we are likely to miss something. This applies to our gender, race, experience being a parent, our experiences at school, and etc. I once worked with a child whose long hair was always in his face, and it brought back memories of my own hair getting in my line of vision or bothering me as a child. I assumed that this was irritating him, and there was an easy fix, cut his hair. But I made assumptions. There were reasons, deeply emotionally embedded reasons, why this child's hair was long, and that played into the dynamic of the relationship in the family. Knowing this informed my work with them. Fifth, be gentle with yourself. You can't be 100% on 100% of the time. And guess what? That's not even ideal. Rupture and repair. The process of making a mistake and then apologizing or healing the relationship is important for development. We all make mistakes, but it's what we do with it that is the magic. Model respect and reflection. You are human, just like your child. Talk about it. Six. My training in floor time has taught me that floor time is not the answer to everything. As parents, we often want to find the answer, but I encourage you to go back to your question. Instead of looking for a solution to a problem, floor time can help you reframe your question. How can I better understand my child? What can I do to help them get what they need? Floor time strategies will give you tools to create the opportunity to learn from and with your child. 
And finally, the most recent and the most important part of my learning journey, listen and be humble. Seek out autistic adults or self-advocates, whether online or in person, and learn from them. As parents, we turn to other parents walking in our shoes because we have shared experiences. It helps. But when it comes to understanding the experience of our kids, let's turn to others walking in their shoes. If we choose to accept autism, we choose to listen to others' experiences and respect differences of opinions. This is part of embracing our humanity and neurodiversity. We can only understand one another when we listen to one another. So go forth and play, wonder, and be curious. This podcast was written by Julia McIsaac, PhD, learning and mental health consultant, and presented by me, Christina Kozik, for Exceptional Lives. You can subscribe and follow the podcast at our website, www.exceptionallives.org forward slash just needs podcast. Our website also has blogs, guides, upcoming events, and a resource directory for Massachusetts and Louisiana. We'd love for you to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Exceptional Lives. If you enjoyed this episode, please let us know by leaving a five-star rating or review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening.